Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The songwriter said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. So thankful that he saw me in the state of my sin and he loved me still. What a wonderful God that we serve today. He's a God who's rich in mercy and he's amazing in grace. Looks beyond all of our faults and he sees our needs. And I love him with all of my heart. And it is such a joy to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord today. We pray that God would just bless you in a special way in this service. I'm just under the assumption that we are racing the rapture and Jesus is about to return. And when he comes back, I want to be ready. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be zoned out. Or I don't want to be asleep, but I want to be ready. He said, when I come back, will there be those that are looking for my return? And I'm looking for him because it's getting closer every day. And uh, we love all of you so very much. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd in their absence. Ask you, uh, that you pray for my family. Our son is not feeling very well today, so remember him in your prayer. And so if you have your Bible... We're going to open and read from the book of Revelation, the third chapter. We're going to begin at the sixth verse, and we're going to read down to verse number eight. Revelation chapter three, verse number six, and we're going to read down to verse number eight. Give you just a moment to find your place. What a beautiful presence of the Lord this year today. I'm so grateful for the moving of the Spirit of God. It makes the difference in any and every service. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 6, tells us this, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. And I want to focus our attention here on this second portion of verse number 7. It says, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and he shutteth and no man openeth. 
want to preach to us today on this subject. Don't let the doors shut on you. Don't let the doors shut on you. Can we lift our hands to heaven and let's pray all across the house and let's ask God to speak to us clearly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for your spirit that is moving in this service. God, we are grateful for every individual that is sitting in the sovereign sanctuary today. God, we are asking for you to open the windows of heaven. Would you open up the floodgates and pour out your spirit in a special way? God, we give you all praise, give you all glory, and give you all honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, can I start this sermon out today by simply stating that we serve a God that can do anything. There is nothing too big, and yet there's nothing too small. There's no sickness that he cannot heal, no disease that he cannot cure, no problem that he cannot fix, no circumstance he cannot change, no addiction he cannot break, no sin he cannot forgive, and no soul that he cannot save. He's a God that specializes in the impossible. Jesus really summed it up in Matthew 7 and 7. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. All you have to do is ask, and he can do it. Seek it, and you can find it. Knock, and the door can be open to you. He's the God that can open doors that no men can shut, and he can shut doors that no men can open. It was a few years ago I was driving in the car by myself and I was going to meet some friends while I was driving down the road I, I just got an uneasy feeling come over me and the longer I drive the more concerned I became and finally when I reached the destination where they were supposed to be I noticed that there weren't any lights on in the parking lot there weren't many cars there and so I really became kind of upset, I knew that something was off, something wasn't right, something didn't make any sense. So I pulled into a spot, got out of the car and shut the door and locked it and started walking to this dimly lit building. And I walked and the longer I walked, the more I began to run. And I ran all the way and got to the door where I was supposed to enter in and I grabbed a hold of the handle to turn it and the door was shut and it was locked. And I opened my eyes and I saw on the front door there was a sign that's been forever etched into my mind that read these words, Dairy Queen has been closed. And I'm going to tell you, when you're craving an M&M blizzard and you're supposed to meet somebody there, there's nothing that can ruin your day like the Dairy Queen that's been closed. Huh? Something so small, something so trivial, when it shuts, it can really turn your day around. But I'm going to tell you what matters more than missing out on an ice cream at Dairy Queen, and that is having the door of the Spirit closed on you. 
It's one thing to miss out on something that really doesn't matter a whole lot. Something that doesn't carry a lot of weight behind it. But when it comes to the Lord, when he starts knocking on my heart's door, I want to be listening. I want my ear attentive because I don't want to miss out on what he wants to do in my life. See, it was in Matthew, the 25th chapter, that we find Jesus with his disciples. And he begins to teach them. And as he begins this lesson, he talks to them about a parable. And in this parable, he says there were five individuals that were wise and there were five individuals that were foolish, but they all had the same charge. They had to be ready because the bridegroom was going to come. They didn't know when. Uh, They didn't know the day that it would happen, but they were all faced with the same commission. You've got to have oil in your lamp because in the day that you think not, the bridegroom is going to arrive and your attendance is going to be necessary. And so Jesus left that parable like that and said there were five that decided they were going to do everything in their power to be ready. They were going to go above and beyond the call of duty. Whatever was asked, whatever was needed, they were going to make sure they were not lacking in one single department. And just as sure as the five that were wise dotted their I's and crossed their T's, there were five that were foolish, that were not concerned, that were not bothered by the fact that the bridegroom could come at any time. And so as this this parable is being taught by Jesus, I try to put myself into the scenario as it's being played out, trying to put myself, trying to imagine what it must have been like while these ten individuals were conversing back and forth. As days would begin to pass and the weeks would turn to months and the months would turn to years, And these five that were wise were doing everything they knew how to do. And these five that were foolish uh, started to get a little concerned. They tried to tell these five wise individuals that you don't have to be so consumed with this charge that was given to us. You have to live your life. You, You don't have to be so bothered. You don't have to be so worried. But remember what it's like to put your feet up on the lazy boy and relax. Do whatever you got to do. Don't be so zealous. Don't be so on uh, fire about this charge that you have received because you're going to have to do whatever you've got to to make it. And so as the time begins to pass by, there's a little wedge that comes between these groups of five. Five of these that decided, uh, you can do whatever you want to do, but as for me, as for us, we're going to make sure that we're ready. You may think we're going a little above and beyond. You may think we're just a little too much. We're a little overboard. But I think it's going to pay off if we will just be ready. 
and this conversation begins to be heated and debates going back and forth that uh, they're just over the top. They're legalistic. They're too zealous. You're just you're out of your mind. Everything you do revolves around this. Every decision you make revolves around the bridegroom. Every action you take revolves around the bridegroom. Every word that you speak revolves around the bridegroom. You don't have to live like that. But the Bible tells us in this parable that Jesus said the day finally came and the call went forth that the bridegroom was coming. And the five that were wise got themselves together, got their lamps and got their oil and started walking out the door. And the five that were foolish tried to stop them and said, no, 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 we, we can't let you leave just yet because we don't have enough oil for the journey. Why don't you do this for us? Why don't you give us some of your oil? And that way everybody can make it to where we need to be. And the five that were wise responded back and said, no, here's the scenario that we are in. If we give you our oil, none of us are going to make it to where we need to be. You should have done that when you had the chance. You should have filled your oil up when you had the opportunity because now you can't live off our oil. You've got to go and buy it for yourself. Sometimes you can't live off somebody else's relationship with God. You can't depend on somebody else's prayers. There comes a time, there comes a place, and comes a point that it's going to be up to me to do whatever I've got to make sure gets done. Huh? So while these five that were wise left, the scripture says these five that were foolish went out to buy. And it was midnight. And if it's midnight and you've got to buy something, there aren't a whole lot of options to choose from. And if it's like most places, about the only place that's open at midnight is Walmart. And if you've ever been to Walmart at midnight... Come on, somebody. If you've ever been to Walmart at midnight... If you think it's crazy during the day... You ought to take a little journey to Walmart at midnight, especially when you're by yourself. You'll see people dressed ways you thought they would be embarrassed to dress. And if you need help and you need assistance at midnight, you have selected the wrong store. And I could just see these five people just running down the aisles trying to find the oil, trying to find some propane. Where are we going to find this oil? And we need it, and we need it right now. Finally get the oil, load it in their cart, run up to the front. And out of the 79 lines that they have at Walmart, at midnight there's only two lines that are open. Huh? And they're trying to get through the lane. They're trying to get their oil purchased. They're trying to get to where they need to be. But they buy the oil. But the scripture tells us this in Matthew chapter 25. It says, while they went out to buy, the doors were shut. And so they got to their destination. And they began to knock on the door. And so open up. We need you to let us in. 
And the voice that came back on the other side said, Depart from me. I know you not. What do you mean you don't know us? We heard the same call. We listened to the same message. We felt the same anointing. We were moved by the same spirit. We cried the same tears. We knelt at the same altar. But there were those that had the door shut on them. And when the door shuts, there is something final about it that you can't open it back up. Uh, Jesus said in John 10, he said, My sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Jesus, when he calls out to us, when we hear the charge and the commission to be ready because he's coming back, it may be a charge that we've heard a thousand times over. It may be a sermon that you can preach it all by yourself. You can write down the notes without hearing it ever again. But what matters more and knowing the message is acting on the message. We've got to be ready, brothers and sisters. We've got to be ready, ladies and gentlemen. He said, you will know it when the time's getting ready to happen. He said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The signs of the times will be upon you. But the question is this. The door is open right now. But are we going to follow through on the open door? Because when the door shuts... There is something about it. You just can't go back. Even when Jesus was walking the earth, he would tell his disciples, it's getting ready to happen. It's getting ready to take place. And they thought that it would happen a different way. Some of them thought he was going to set his kingdom up on earth and they would be leading the charge. But it all seemed to evaporate. When Jesus was betrayed in the garden, everything began to change when Jesus was sent to trial and he was found guilty. When Jesus was beaten with a whip of cat of nine tails, when they put a crown of thorns on his head, when they laid that cross on his shoulder and led him up to the hill of Golgotha, to the cross of Calvary, when they nailed his hands and nailed his feet to those two pieces of wood and hung him up suspended between heaven and earth, there the one they gave their life for, the one they gave their future to, now they saw him with their eyes and they heard his voice with their ears when he hung his head and he died and he gave up the ghost. If there was ever a moment that they felt like they had lost momentum, brother, that would have been the moment. If there was ever a time that they felt like the church was in trouble, it would have been that second right there. Because when Jesus died, we find the disciples coming together in the book of John, the 20th chapter. And they were trying to figure out what to do next. How do we move forward? What actions do we need to take? Jesus has died. And now we know that if they would kill Jesus, it's only going to be a matter of time. They're going to come for us as well. 
And here they are all gathered together. In the book of John, the 20th chapter, the 19th verse says, The disciples were together and the doors were shut. They had the doors shut. They had the doors locked. And most likely they had the doors barricaded. Worried, nervous, anxious who was going to come after them. But while they were standing there discussing their options, we find that somebody walked in the room. And when they turned around to their amazement, to their awe and to their surprise, it was Jesus standing before them. And everything flipped. Now the one that had given his life on that cross was now standing before them in the flesh. How, how amazing this was. What a supernatural moment this has been. Jesus is here. All the disciples are gathered together and we can see him with our eyes. We can hear him with our ears. We can feel him with our hands. But as they begin to look around, they notice that there's one disciple that's missing. Thomas was not there. Thomas was not present. And so that moment ended. And I don't know who it was that found him, but somebody found Thomas and began to explain to him, Thomas, you will never believe what just transpired. You will never believe what just took place. We were in the room together. We were all upset. We were all bothered by everything that's taken place. But do you know, Thomas, while we were standing in that room together, Jesus walked into that room. The doors were shut. The doors were locked. I don't know how he got in, but Jesus walked into that room. And when Thomas heard that, he said, no, that's not true. He said, you've read one too many stories. Maybe you've watched one too many movies because that doesn't make sense. I saw Jesus. He died on that cross. I know you don't want to believe it, but he's dead and he's not coming back. Thomas, I'm telling you that the man that stood in that room, that was not the figment of our imagination this was not our own imagination. This was not our illusion. It was actually Jesus that was standing in that room with us. Thomas said, I will never believe and take, unless I could take my hand and thrust it in his side. I will never believe unless I can take my finger and put it in the nail prints in his hand. No matter what anybody says, I will never believe. And so that day had to end. But as we read in this 20th chapter, it tells us that eight days later, in verse number 26 of John 20, we've already seen Jesus come to this group of disciples. And now, eight days later, over a week, we see them together again in a room. This time, the Bible is clear and emphatic that all the disciples are present and Thomas. But then I find it so interesting what it says next. We know that every scripture is in the word of God for a reason. It's there for a purpose. Every line is not there just to fill an empty page, but it's there by divine order. 
And it says that the disciples were present with Thomas. And in this 26th verse, it says, And the doors being shut. I got a question. Why does that have to be in there? You would think that when you say that they're gathered together, it would just already be clear that the doors are shut. But for some reason, the author of this text wants us to know for a particular purpose, the doors were shut this day. And while they were gathered, the same thing that happened eight days previously before happened again. And Jesus walked into this room. And when Jesus walked into the room, the disciples turned and saw who it was. And when Thomas laid his eyes on the Christ, he fell down on his knees. And Jesus said, I believe it was you, Thomas. And said, unless I could take my hand and thrust it in his side, unless I could take my finger and put it in the nail prints in his hand, I will never believe. Thomas on his hands and his knees said, My Lord and my God. I found out that we can shut the door on God, but he can open doors that no man can shut. And when God wants to come to where we are, there is nothing we can do to keep him out. I've watched as people have tried to run away from God, that have tried to run away from the church, but no matter how far they run, God has a way of chasing them down. I've watched as people have tried to fill their lives with drugs and alcohol, but what will take place is that God will show up in the middle of a bar. God will show up in the club. God will show up in their home. He'll show up on their job. He'll visit them when they lay their head on the pillow at night. You know why? Because he can open up doors that no man can shut. You can't keep him out. You can't keep him away. He's the God that spoke the world into existence. He's the God that named every star. He's the one that hung the planets into orbit. He can open any door that's shut. But what I want to preach to us today is not necessarily about how he can open doors that no man can shut. But what happens when he shuts doors? That no man can open. It's powerful when you think about God being able to do anything. Mankind cannot stop it. But what happens when you look at it through the opposite lens? That God can do anything and no man can prevent it. What happens when God shuts that door of finality? What happened when God shuts that door, no matter our strength, our ability, our accomplishments, or our accolades, we cannot open it back up. See, it was a man by the name of Noah that had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it was yet this man that God began to speak to and instructed him to build an ark because a flood was going to come. Noah, it's going to be up to you. I'm making a way of escape. Mankind is going to pay for their sins. My wrath is going to fall. But before my wrath falls, my mercy is going to come. And Noah, you're the one that's going to do it. 
And so Noah begins to build this ark. and He begins to preach on the street corner. Day after day after day after day. Week after week after week after week. Month after month after month after month. Year after year after year after year. Decade after decade after day, 120 years, Noah preached. Somebody said, that's a long-winded preacher. 120 years. Now, if you really consider what that, what that really means, in a space of 20 years, 30 years, people have grown up listening to Noah preach. And in the space of 20 to 30 years, those kids become adults. And they have families of their own. And their kids begin to grow up. And they grow up listening to Noah preach on the side of the road saying the wrath of God is going to come. But don't worry. Don't be upset. There's a way out. You don't have to pay the price I'm building an ark and as long as you get on the ark, everything is going to be all right. But time just kept on going. And another 20 years passed, 30 years passed. And those kids now become adults. And they have children of their own. So now we're on grandkids. And grandkids grow up listening to Noah preach. And those grandkids become adults. And they have kids of their own. And now the great-grandkids grew up listening to Noah preach. I just have to wonder if there were some grandchildren that found some grandparents and said, hey, what's the deal with the crazy preacher on the side of the road? What's the deal with the man that's up there hollering, whose face is beat red, who's talking about a flood getting ready to come? Oh, that's just Noah I've heard that all my life. My mom and dad told me that. And their mom and dad told that, don't you worry one bit. It's the same as it's always been. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Don't let him mess with your mind. He's outdated. He's no longer relevant. What he preaches now, it doesn't really hold water to what people are dealing with. Don't you worry about it for a minute. And I try to imagine what Noah is feeling like. He's trying his level best to warn the people, you got to get on the ark. I know this may be a little uncomfortable, but you've got to get in the boat. I just have to wonder that he told funny stories. He had to get serious at times. He tried to be, uh, he tried to be diplomatic. Then other times he got real serious. He tried every way he know how to try. Please get on the ark. But the day finally came. God said, "Noah, you got to get in. Get you. Get your family." Get on board the boat. And together Noah and his family gets on board this ship that has been designed and built. His life's work. And together Noah leads his family on board. And when he gets on 
He looks around and he says, God, I followed your instruction. I did what you told me to do. I followed every plan. Uh, every number is exact. There's no mistake. There's no error in anything that we did. But now the question is to you, Lord. I've only built it with one door and I can't shut it. And that's when God had to tell Noah, that's right. Because when I shut the door, Noah, you will not be able to open it. Noah never shut the door. God shut the door. And when God shut the door, Noah's on the other side. I don't think he was laughing or gloating. I don't think he was thinking, you foolish people, you should have listened to me. But I think he had to just stand there, tears streaming down his face, saying, what more could I have done? I could have preached better, could have studied more, could have loved deeper. Because as that rain began to hit that boat and the water began to rise, how long do you think it was before the first knock? Hey, Noah, I, I, I never quite believed everything that you preach. But I believe it now. Why don't you go ahead and open the door for me? Hey, hey, Noah, this is your neighbors. We lived beside you for years. Uh, but we just never went. We just never decided to make a move. But we believe now, Noah. I, we really believe. Why don't you go ahead and open the door? Noah, knowing he can open the door. How long was it before family members started knocking and cousins started knocking, nieces and nephews started knocking, saying, Noah, come on, buddy, you're going to have to open the door. Noah, I got my kid in my arms. Noah, are you going to let us all die out here? Noah had to open his mouth and said, no, you're going to have to let your children die in your arms. Because you let the door shut on you. What's it going to be like? God takes that door, slams it shut, and nobody can open it. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some that will try to open it. But you can't open it when the door finally shuts. I wonder today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed as the music gets ready to come. God's able and a willing. God can do anything. He can be anywhere at any place. Speak to any person at any moment in time. He's a God that can open doors that no man can shut. But just as sure as we believe that God can open doors, God can shut doors. And while God is calling while God is reaching and while the door of the church is open, I challenge you today, don't let it shut on you. You don't want to be on the other side when that door finally shuts. Five that were foolish said, you've got to open the door. 
the voice came back and said, it's too late. I cannot open it. Those knocked on the door of that ark. Noah, you've got to open the door. Open the door. Noah said, even if I could, I can't. The way is designed. God shuts it. The pastor can't open it back. The preacher can't open it back. The other church can't open it back. The other denomination can't open it back. When the door finally shuts. Oh, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I, I feel the Lord speaking to us today. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. And you would speak to every soul. God, every individual that is in this place, I'm praying, there would be a drawing of your spirit like never before. God, not even in just this building, but God, in the lives of family members and loved ones and friends, I pray there be a drawing of the Spirit that while the door is open, you've got to come. Today, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. The door of the church is open. You've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. The door of the church is open. The sins that you got to repent of, the door of the church is open. But it won't always stay open. One day it's going to shut, and there won't be another chance. There won't be another sermon. There won't be another Sunday morning. There won't be another altar call. Don't let the door shut on you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.